Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. Today, we're going to cover the powerhouse Salvia Rosmarinus, or Rosemary. And I will be going over magical relaxation techniques to get you through your eye-clawing election season anxiety. Yeah, and I think we both just wanted to start from the top by acknowledging that we are recording this on Wednesday, November 4th. Things are still intense. Neither of us have slept much. Yeah, I think um, in total, this podcast is recording on like one and a half hours of sleep. So I feel like that's a very generous estimate but yes you know so, i am very generous shannon so you are very generous um anyway so that's just our fun little disclaimer so if we seem a little more spacey than usual um sorry but i assume that everybody is probably in about the same situation so hopefully this will be a nice way for you to distract a little bit we are all super stressed So this week, I really just wanted to go over some magical relaxation, active relaxation. So there's a lot of methods out there. And I think one that everyone's going to be familiar with is a bath. I think that if I wasn't classifying myself as a green witch, I would just call myself a bath witch. Hashtag bath witch. (laughs) But um, for our listeners out there who may be new to the craft, I do want to say that even though a bath can be something that like can relax anyone, it can also be a really good time to create a powerful spell of calming energy and protection. And I think we could all use that right now. But since we're going to be talking about taking a magical bath and how to go through with that, I I do just want to talk a little bit about crystals. So when we're doing a manifestation of calming energy with our herbal bath, It's also a good idea to maybe charge your room or even just around your bed with some rose quartz. And it is one of my favorite crystals to work with. I know it's like super basic bitch, but honestly, it's basic because it's effective. It's it's, It's kind of a thing here because... A lot of the magical herbs and like the essential oils that we're going to be talking about as far as like creating a magical calming bath for yourself are going to, you know, it's going to sound like the ingredient list on like Dr. Teal's. <laughs> but but we also love a Dr. Teal's moment. We, I mean, we love, doc, we love a Dr. Teal's moment. But I mean, these are going to sound very familiar to even people who are not practicing the craft. Like these are tried and true methods of relaxation just on an aromatherapy level. They're relaxing smells, but they also have these magical properties for calming, for purification, for like drawing the right energies into your life. And so like lavender and chamomile, like these are no brainers in this situation. But I kind of wanted to like branch out a little bit too. And and like I said, we were talking about um, crystals. So it's like, you know, you might want to like put little pieces of crystals around your window and like around the doorway to your bath area. Like you want to create like the sacred space. Yeah, I think it's really important, especially if you share your bathroom with other people to take the time to do the cleansing, to make sure the space is right because no amount of other magic you're trying to work is going to matter if the space is in a funk. 
That's very true. You know, we love to talk about rose quartz as like the self-care energy and like self-love, but a perfectly acceptable substitute here is also just like unprocessed pink salt. Oh, totally. I think that's a great recommendation. And and on that note too, I think with crystals, this brings up an important point that you should always do a little bit of research to make sure if your crystal is safe to submerge in water. Because yeah. in this instance, you know, it's like pink salt is an amazing substitution, but you're not going to want to get that in the bath with you. Right. But, uh, you know, I uh, actually had the opportunity to get my share of a big bag of sort of unprocessed pink salt crystals. And I have a whole bunch of them. And I put them at the corners of my windowsill to protect the energy coming in. I put them in the corners of my bath when I'm doing something like this, when I'm like doing an herbal bath. And I, uh, I just have them on my bookshelf, honestly, like a bunch of the extra ones. I love that you're pointing out using the pink salt because it's so important too to find things that work for you, even if they're the substitute. It's kind of like Ida Garten, right? It's like if you can't find the gourmet ingredient, store-bought is fine. So it's it's all about the intentions that you're putting out. If the intention is there and the effort is made, substitutions are fine a lot of the time. If they line up symbolically and energetically with what you're trying to do. And so with that in mind, I just want to say, you know, we're talking about taking an herbal bath. So I'm going to throw out, you know, like some herbs that I personally like to use. So we're going to talk about lemon balm, which is really great. And not to like overdo it on the citrusy stuff, but we're also going to talk about lemon verbena because these are herbs that are not only easy to get, Asian supermarkets sell herbs like that, that are just kind of in bulk for making tea. Like if you can find that section of one of those supermarkets, that's a really great place to get stuff like that. If you're an oil person, you know, mm. I love putting essential oils in, you know, like body blends and sometimes I add them to my soaps and stuff. And you can also use the essential oil of these things as well if that's something you have on hand. As long as you um, even just use like a carrier oil, like a coconut oil blend or something like that, it's really not recommended to use stuff like that with baby oil or like any kind of mineral oil as a carrier oil. That's not even for like witchcraft purposes. Like it's just better to do it in an organic oil. I would highly suggest if it's something you're planning to put on your skin, jojoba oil all the way. Oh, your skin yes. thinks jojoba oil is its own oil. As like an acne prone person with skin that will break out in a rash if I look at scented laundry detergent the wrong way, I use jojoba oil as my carrier oil and I've never had a problem. Organic oils though are good. I just want to say like baby oil, like uh, any kind of like massage oil, like a lot of times that is not good stuff to use as your carrier oil. If you're planning on like doing stuff, uh, especially with your body, with essential oils. Yes, be very careful. Essential oils are potent. That is, I think, yes. the most important thing. And Nick, that's a really important caveat. If you're new to oils, you should also do patch testing. Even in a carrier oil, sometimes you'll have sensitivities and you just don't know it until you have it. And the last thing you want is to have slathered that stuff all over you and then find out you're allergic. Just to kind of pivot back to uh, the herbs, it's like lemon verbena and lemon balm are both like really calming. They have those bright citrusy scents, which can be energizing, but like in a positive way. I was also going to say, and you actually brought this up to me, uh, moon water as like an addition to your calming bath. 
probably lots of people out there that don't know what moon water is. So what is moon water and why do I want it in my bath water? Yeah. Okay. So moon water is one of the easiest magical ingredients you can create yourself. Literally, all you do is just charge water under the moon during the specific phase of its cycle that you're trying to channel the energy of. So for me, you know, I am a full-time employed in another job, which who is busy. I've got a shit ton of plants. I've got pets. I usually just have new moon and full moon water on hand. Of course, you can get real intense and go through and do like waxing and waning and different like first quarter crescent, things like that. I'm not at that level, but you just put some water in you know, whatever type of vessel you're going to use. For me, I have this collection of really cute jars with stoppers that I am repurposing from a honey sampler. I got at Trader Joe's, which is love, our jars. So just fill it with water and leave it to charge in the moon. Um, some people say that you need to grab it before the sun comes up. But for me, when I am doing something like this, where I'm charging, you know, crystals or water or anything under the moon, I really focus a lot of intention in making sure that I'm, you know, spiritually and metaphysically communicating what I want that object to do. And I tell that water, I'm like, you're moon water. You are absorbing moon power. And that's the intention I put into it. And it's great because it also means that I don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn because I'm a busy witch with lots of other things to do. But anyway, I personally love using new moon water in baths. You know, the new moon has really big manifestation energy, right? It's like the seed that's going to grow into the beautiful, like, flower that is the full moon. And I think that the idea of restarting and a clean slate, that's such good energy for this type of bath. And for what it's worth, I love to make a tea with full moon water if I have a big day at work and I need an extra boost of magic. And according to this article I just read on Well and Good, apparently Victoria Beckham drinks moon water. Posh Spice knows about moon water. Posh Spice recommended. And she drinks it. She does. She does. But yeah, moon water is super easy to make. The one caveat I'll say is if you're planning to drink it, it needs to be in a sterile container. You know, you just be careful. If it's something you're going to ingest, you know, don't put it in some like raggedy mason jar from the back of your shelf that you haven't cleaned in a minute. Just be smart. You all know that, though. Right, right, right. So moon water would be great in a calming bath. I also wanted to say, since we're talking about this, a little later on, um, some rosemary. Because rosemary is super easy to find. Like, you could forage for rosemary, but, and you're going to go in depth on kind of like the broad spectrum of magical properties, but it is a very cleansing herb. And I think it, fragrance-wise, would make a great base for this cleansing bath, like this election stress cleansing bath. So we've got rosemary. We've got, I would say, either lemon verbena or lemon balm. I mean, they're not exactly interchangeable as far as their magical properties, but they are both meant to like increase positive energy and induce a state of calm. So I would say either or because they're both going to add that like nice lemony scent to your herbal bath as well. But um, as far as like green herbs go, I'm also going to throw in mint or eucalyptus like especially like fresh you know like the rosemary for this you would want probably to be fresh you know you don't want to get your your dry sort of yellowy white 
leftover from Thanksgiving uh, spice shaker rosemary. Like in most parts of the country, they use rosemary as an ornamental plant in landscaping. Like go to your nearest mall. They probably have a rosemary bush somewhere, probably near the parking lot. But it's fine rosemary. I mean, you know. Yeah, if you're not eating it, you know, of course, be sure that you are relatively familiar with where you're sourcing it. You don't want to, like, throw a bunch of pesticides into your bath. But for the most part, wild foraging rosemary is so easy in a lot of the country. And by the country, it's, it's I mean the U.S. It's a lot of the country. Yeah, the, the United States, of course. You know, we, we were actually um, supposed to mention this earlier on, but we have uh, had some some interesting results in the downloads of this podcast. And we have some some listeners out in Japan. So I'm just going to hop in here and say, konnichiwa, people in Japan. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We would love to hear from you. Please let us know. I'm so fascinated by the idea of what magic might look like in your specific type of practice. Um, but mostly, thank you. That aside, and also thank you. Why are we bringing mint and eucalyptus into this situation? And it's because mental clarity is the energy there. And, you know, you want to relax, you want to calm down. But bringing mental clarity, I think, is also probably a good idea right now. I think a lot of people are just a bit off kilter. So, you know, you want a bit of mental clarity. So we're going for mint. We're going for eucalyptus, too. But... um especially fresh eucalyptus. You know, if you if you can find that, I mean, they have it at florists a lot. I mean, if you want to be bougie, Whole Foods often has it. And mm -hmm. for me, I love to get, you know, a few sprigs of fresh eucalyptus and tie that bad boy around your shower head. And then even if you're not doing a full on bath, you know, shower magic can be really great if you're in a hurry or if you don't have a bath. Um, and eucalyptus, mm -hmm. a fresh eucalyptus is really, really great for that type of magic. I kind of want to say this is also a really good time to maybe do some candle magic because, hello, a bath and by candlelight, it makes a certain amount of intuitive sense. But like, if we're going into how can you incorporate such a delightful bathing experience into your craft... You could carve a sigil or a protection rune or, you know, whatever symbolically actually is making intuitive sense to you and burn a candle for it while you're in the bath. And like while you are manifesting this calming energy, you could burn a candle for protection. You could burn a candle for restful energy. And like speaking of restful energy, I also kind of want to just like interject here and say that if you're taking the time to create this sort of a sanctuary space, it, it, would you say that it's like a sacred space? Oh, totally. I think that any space that you pour intention into and that you plan to practice in is sacred. So you kind of have to think about the energy that you're bringing into that space. So I would say if you're taking the time to have an herbal relaxation bath and you decide to get on your phone and doom scroll oh the doom scrolling like sort of like immediately after that you know it's like you're bringing that energy into this sacred space that you've created for yourself and that's disrespectful but it's it's not just disrespectful to the spirits that you have invoked into 
your rituals. It is disrespectful to yourself to kind of negate your effort to create this like calming energy. Yeah, you've got to get out of your own way. Trust that your magic is powerful, but also give it space to work. For everyone, you know, it's like get out of your own way on active relaxation. So even if you took all of the magical aspects out of it, you're not gonna relax if you have other people's voices in your head. Yeah, I would say too, if you are like me, and I am admittedly, I have a habit of doom scrolling, especially the last few days, when I needed to actually really unplug to give myself some time, I think that there's a lot to be said for just leaving your phone outside. You know, don't bring it into the bathroom with you where you're taking your bath. Don't bring it with you near your altar. Keep it away from you. Really just give yourself the space to focus. Right. And it's it's like bringing your phone to church. When you create sacred space, don't violate that. You know, it's just you're going to have a better time. Yeah, it means something. Make it mean something. Yeah. And I want to add a quick note. It has come to our attention that Rosemary is not as widely available in random places in all of the U.S. Apparently, that's a very Southern thing. So Yankees, get yourself to the store or grow your own, I guess. I'm sorry. I'm feeling very, very uneducated right now because it just grows on the corner. There's like, I'm sure there's a Rosemary bush within eyeshot of the window where I'm at here. Yeah, I mean, going to UT, the smell of rosemary just makes me think of going to class. Um, and it's the same thing here in Los Angeles. So No, that, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. I was like, well, you know, I thought maybe it was a Texas thing. But then I went to LA and they have rosemary there everywhere. So, <laughs> Well, hey, um, sorry, people that don't live in places where wild foraged rosemary is wildly available. Or widely available, I should say. Do we want to take a quick break to talk about some witch talk drama? Oh my god, okay, yes. <laughs> this is, I think this is a few weeks late for the general population. It's it's a few months late, but honestly, I wanted to do, okay, so Questionable Witchy Practices, episode two, I wanted to do, because I knew it was going to be election week, and I think, you know, even with what is it? What is, what is it was like 15% of the people were in Japan. Even with our huge Japanese fan base, it is election week here in the United States. Which means we're um, tired. We're, we're so tired. And so I wanted to talk about something really funny. So back in July of this year, the TikTok witches decided to hex the moon. <laughs> I also want to point out that Nick and I are like elder millennials, so I yes. don't think either of us are on TikTok. So this this drama is coming to us um, third hand. Right, right. You know, <laughs> I will watch one if you send it to me, and then probably like the next five because they're so short. But then, you know, I, I miss Vine. I just got to say, it. I, I miss Vine. So this is really funny. So back in July, they... they uh, people were calling them baby witches, too. And I think that, you know, that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, it's funny because of what they were doing. I would say normally a little rude, but this yeah, totally normally a little rude. They normally deserved a this. Rude. They 100% deserved that. 
I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely not a baby witch because you're like listening to information you're learning. Well, or you know, if you're it, new to the practice and feel like a baby witch, then welcome. Yeah. And we're welcome. super excited to teach you. But also, don't, don't, don't hex do the this. Moon. Yeah. Don't hex the moon. Don't hex the um, moon. They, li- they tried to hex the moon. Um, and I'm definitely putting that into my my questionable category they've been categorized as questionable there's there's they have a very slim chance of coming back from that you know so it's a life lifetime appointment uh and, um, and didn't you say too that they've they also originally were trying to maybe hex the fae yeah we're gonna they were trying to hex the fae as well yeah. supposedly that's like that's next level new because anybody who's been in witchcraft for more than five minutes should know that you do not fuck with the fae. I mean, okay, so it's like the moon and the fae are definitely in like a category if you're fucking with magic. It, they're they're in the don't fuck with that category. I mean, why? okay, the fae, yes. But it's like, what does the moon ever do to anyone? Yeah. Also, like, even if you're not a witch, the moon gives us tides. So right. fuck off. That's so rude. Like, someone is mad that they have a Capricorn moon. That's that's <laughs> the that's the you know. It's like maybe someone has a has a moon in detriment, and they're they're very upset about it. As a Pisces um, moon, the moon is my bay. Yeah, yeah. Mo- the moon is bay. <laughs> the moon is bay. Oh my god. I think we have to end this segment before we age ourselves anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're like, I miss Vine. The moon is bay. I know. We're old. And we've also been drinking wine. So forgive us. But that's fair. Yeah. Rosemary, y'all. I wanted to start <laughs> by flagging just like a few of my resources. As always, um, I think it's important for us to tell you guys where we're getting this info so you can check it out yourselves. But anyway, so for today's section on Rosemary, I referenced the Herbal Academy website again. I cannot recommend it enough for people that are into herbalism. Green Witchcraft, again, by Paige Vanderbeck. And Groveandgrotto.com is also really fantastic with some of their info. Um But I think one of the most interesting places for us to begin is the history and origins of rosemary um, or salvia rosmarinus. So my weird little nerdy background fact is that up until about 2017, you would have seen it listed as rosmarinus officinalis, but it was actually reclassified as a salvia or a sage um, a couple of years ago. It is officially, though, a salvia now. It's native to dry and rocky areas of the Mediterranean, um, and it's a evergreen perennial that's hardy in zones 8 to 10. Okay, so what is a perennial? <laughs> no, that's totally fair. Um, I think plant geeky people probably already know this, but if you're new or you're just starting to get into plants, um, perennial really just means that the plant lives for two or more years. Um, It's in contrast to what you'll see listed as annuals when you go shopping. um, And those are things that have to be replanted every year. So perennials can actually bloom for multiple seasons, which is really great. It's a lot of um, a lot of bang for your buck. And some of these things like rosemary, for example, can live 
essentially forever once the plant gets going. Um, But in 2008, some scientists with the Flanders Institute in Belgium actually found that the difference between an annual and a perennial comes down to two flower-inducing genes that, when turned off, can make an annual plant regrow every year. Okay, so, I mean, what don't the Belgians know, though? (laughs) Nothing. They know everything. Okay, I'm also having, like, a really fun time um, while you were speaking, imagining little switches on the genes and, like, little guys that would, like, flip the switch. I love that. Turn it off. Maybe those are Faye flipping the switches. Yeah, and you shouldn't hex them. No. Witch talkers. Leave the Faye alone. (laughs) Anyway, um, so before we get into too many of the magical properties, though, I want to talk about the basic care overview. So, you know, Nick and I have already touched on the fact that rosemary grows pretty wild in a lot of the southern and I guess southwest U.S., Um, But it really is an easy herb to grow. It is, however, though, incredibly susceptible to root rot. So that's how I killed my first rosemary plant. Uh, I have a tendency to overwater and love my plants to death. So be careful about that. Um, But if you think about its natural habitat, that really does make sense. You know, you can really infer that these plants like incredibly well-draining soil they don't like to sit in water, you know, in these places that they grow right, right, right. originally, you know, that's not, yeah, that's not happening. It's, they're ro- not, it's, it's rocky as fuck. Yeah, they're not bog plants. We're not talking about carnivorous plants. Um, and they also really do well in terracotta. So for me, I repotted my new rosemary plant that I have not killed um, and some really good organic potting mix that I amended with additional perlite and some vermiculite to really just make sure that it's super well draining. Keep an eye on how long it stays wet. You know, I think that one of the biggest things with this one is just keeping those feet dry. It doesn't like wet feet. Um, and terracotta it will doesn't help like with that. love. It doesn't like love. Sometimes in the plant world, you'll see people talk about plants that thrive on neglect, and Mm -hmm. rosemary is very much in that category. You know, you can forget to water it for a while, and it'll probably be happier. Um, But to make your plant bushier, you're going to want to trim it. Well, I mean, but but also you you should be trimming it because you should be using it. You know, I mean, that's (laughs) right. You should be using it. Um, You're wasting it if not. To encourage a bushier plant, you know, you really do need to do some regular pruning because everywhere you cut, essentially, it's going to grow into multiple branches. And that's how you get a fuller looking plant. Um, It does need a good bit of sun to thrive, which I'm sure you all guessed when we talked about it being everywhere in Texas. Um, But also, again, those rocky areas of the Mediterranean. And I think for a lot of home growers, that is probably one of the most difficult things to replicate. You know, it's it's really easy to overestimate how much light an area of your home is getting. So I would say, listen to your plants. You know, if you've got them in the place that probably has the best sun in your house and you want to keep it indoors and it's looking sad, I would just suggest investing in some grow lights. You know, they have some that are super affordable. I have a couple of sets that I bought and it's really changed the game for me. I'm able to keep plants happy in more locations in my house. So all of that to say, the most the most common ways to kill this plant, overwatering, not enough light, and it's really easy to overwater if your plant doesn't have enough light. But also they don't want your love. 
They also don't want your love. If you really hate the plant, it'll probably thrive. I, um, I think, honestly, if you like say mean things to it. Oh, yeah. Say mean things to your rosemary. I'm trying to see something. <laughs> no, I mean, also, though, I would like be nice to your plants, especially if you're using them in your magic, because they know. They know. But talking about harvesting earlier, in particular with when you want to use it in your practice, the best time to harvest the herb is actually when the new growth has hardened off. So when you take a trimming, you'll see, you know, that it gets those additional little branches. And when the leaves are growing, they're this really cute light green. And that is not a great time to trim it because the plant hasn't matured fully. So if you trim it at that point, it's not actually going to create more branches. You want to wait until it hardens off. But that also helps the uh, it helps the rosemary leaves retain the color and the essential oils longer. So when you're wanting to use it in your magical practice, of course, you want something with the longest shelf life possible. So what I do is I actually... I'll take all of my trimmings at once and then I hang them upside down. I have this weird little octopus hanger that I got from Ikea that's supposed to be used for drying laundry and it's become my flower and herb drying guy. Um, So I just hang it upside down on the clips, you know, and let it totally dry out and then you can bundle it. Okay. But I do want to say, so with that warning about when to harvest your rosemary, I do also want to say that like, One of my favorite things to do with rosemary, apart from witchcraft-related purposes, is using it as a bookmark. And so that's also the best time to get your little rosemary bookmarks, if uh, if you're into that. Because it's like, when they have dried out a little bit from the freshness, you you know, it's not going to leave a stain. Don't do that, though, if you went to a school like UT, because then it's just going to give you flashbacks to final season. Um, But rosemary really is, I mean, it's a powerhouse for a lot of things like culinary and medicinal and witchy. But I I love that it's low key. You know, you're talking about using it as a bookmark. And, you know, if you're somebody who's maybe not out of the broom closet, as they say, you know, people aren't going to look twice if you have a bunch of rosemary around. You know, that's they're just going to think you're making like lamb or something. It's not quite as obvious as things like the bundles of sage that have crystals with them. So, you know, if you're maybe living with roommates or you're still living with family, a bundle of rosemary is a really great way to do some low-key magic. As far as the herbalism side of things goes, rosemary has actually been shown in lab settings to have antioxidant properties and antimicrobial properties. So it used to be burned in hospitals, which is really interesting um, because, you know, of those properties. But it's really great, too, for increasing concentration and relieving stress, which, again, both of these things have been proven in lab settings. So, Nick, you're really onto something with using it as a bookmark, helping with that concentration. Um, And, of course, relieving stress is why it's a perfect choice for something like a ritual bath. But the reason I mention all of those medicinal uses is, again, you know, we talked about this last week. For me, I think it's really important to understand the relationship between the mundane properties of an herb and the magical properties of, you know, the herb or the plant. Because to me, the magical energies that are associated with rosemary are, are things like cleansing and remembrance and protection. And all of those have really strong correlations to things that they have actually observed in labs that are, you know, medicinal uses of the plant. That tie, at least to me, makes it feel much more powerful. So it's almost like 
everyone's been saying, or like plenty of people have been saying, that the plant has these effects, and science is like catching up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like we always have had this deep spiritual gut knowledge about the way that we can use things in the natural world. And I'm just amazed at how time and time again, science just seems to catch up. You know, one of my favorite ways to use rosemary is to create a smoke cleansing wand with it. The problems with using white sage are pretty well known. um, And we'll cover sage at some point. But, you know, rosemary is in the salvia family. It's in the sage family. So, you know, they're very close. The DNA is really similar. So it makes sense that they would have similar properties. Um, And of course, you know, it's important as, you know, Nick and I are white Western witches. It's really important to be aware of the impact that cultural appropriation can have on the Native community. And with that in mind, you know, I really just can't recommend using white sage unless it's something you've harvested yourself from your own garden or if you're sourcing it from Native American peoples. Um, But rosemary is a fantastic substitute. It grows super easy. There's not a risk of it being over harvested like you have with white sage. Um, And when you're doing magic, you want to make sure that your ingredients are sourced in ways that aren't drenching them in trauma. Oh, well... You know, maybe a little trauma. <laughs> <laughs> right. now, um, But anyway, so since rosemary is in that salvia family, I do use it a lot to create smoke cleansing wands. Um, you know, I'll hang the stalks upside down like I talked about and then bundle it with some twine. And you can add stuff to it as well. When you're making your own smoke cleansing wands, you can really get creative. But I love to add personally some lavender or juniper. You know, if you're in Texas, maybe you get some of that Texas cedar and you dry it out. Anything that really calls to you and speaks to you, you know, you can really mix and match and make it your own. But I think rosemary serves as a really great sort of backbone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, I did just kind of want to jump in and say that like, incense burning is a great addition to like a calming ritual bath. If you have rosemary in there, that's great. But if that's something that like you didn't want to do for some, for some reason or another, you could totally get the smoke in there. Yeah. You know, burn it with a little sandalwood, burn it with a little cedar. A little dragon's blood, perhaps. That's Maybe. my favorite. I love doing a dragon's blood incense when I'm in a bath to meditate. Um, and I think that, I mean, I like kind of earthy scents. So to me, dragon's blood and rosemary are awesome together. Oh, for sure. No, I, and I, I actually, I have some dragon's blood right now that I'm burning with sage, like incense sticks. So like not sage leaves, like the little sage sort of scented mm. ones. I bet that smells great. It does smell really nice. Yeah. So, I mean, all of that really points to, though, rosemary is so good at cleansing. So, again, when you're making these smoke wands and these bundles, you can use it to, you know, maybe cleanse the space, maybe cleanse the bathroom. When I'm going to take a ritual bath, I always do a good smoke cleanse beforehand. Like I said, just to make sure that the energy has really been sort of leveled back out. You know, you want to take out anything that might interrupt your magic, might throw off the, you know, might throw you off kilter during that. Um, But you can also use it to cleanse your magical tools. Uh, If you're like me, I also wear a lot of crystal jewelry. 
And I think that it's important for things that you wear regularly to cleanse them and charge them and, you know, keep them keep them magically clean in the way that you keep them physically clean. So you're wearing something on your body that's like not only absorbing your energy, but it's also just like in your energetic sphere. So like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you pay attention to that? Exactly, exactly. You know, I think you should be as diligent about cleansing your jewelry as you are about cleansing your sacred space. Because ultimately, I think your jewelry too, if you put your intention into it, that can be it can be your magic that you carry around with you everywhere. But yeah, rosemary is great. It's also a really great substitute. I have seen a lot of people that are like, if you're missing something from a spell, add rosemary. So, you know, it's it's really versatile. It's easy to grow. It's very good at like cleansing and it's got the antimicrobial properties. So if you're doing, you know, an oil blend that you maybe want to use as an aftershave, a couple of drops of rosemary oil could be good in there. Oh, yeah. And th- throw it in your bath, people. Throw it in your bath. Take take that rosemary bath. Take a bath. You know, yes. even if you even if you don't have the rosemary, take a bath. Relax. We know you're stressed. Oh, right. That brings us to the very end, isn't it? Bitter. I know. What a bitter end. So Nick and I have decided that we wanted to switch off doing the taroscopes. That way, we could talk about different types of decks and the way that you know each of us. I think probably read a little differently. True. 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 And you have, I, I do just want to interject here, a beautiful deck. The Line Strider that you're using this week? Yes, it's by um, CeeLo Thompson. And I actually wanted to start the segment by giving like a little bit of background on the deck itself. Oh, shit. Yeah, so um, this is coming from the About the Deck handbook, because I just think the way that it's written here is really beautiful. Um And it says, the Line Strider Tarot is a deck that dances on the edge of magic and logic, animal and human, the conscious and unconscious mind, drawing inspiration from the edge while still moving forward on the fool's journey. That is Line Striding. That also sounds like a great smooth jazz album. (laughs) Right? Um, But my deck, I, I say my deck because this is the deck that I primarily work with. I was really drawn to it when I first saw it because clearly, you know, as a green witch, things like the natural world are really powerful to me. The tie between animals and plants for me has always been something that really spoke to my magical practice. And when I saw this deck, I was just obsessed. Um, It also has beautiful watercolor type imagery. And all of the figures are actually manifested as different animal spirits in this deck. So like the hermit is a bear and the magician is a monkey. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So (laughs) all that to say, um, this week, the tarot draw is for our dear friends, Aquarius. Oh, mad love for Aquarians. But this week for you, I drew the lovers. Which in this deck is actually represented by two cranes. The sign that's associated with the lovers is Gemini, which, you know, is associated with air. And so that's sort of how they made the jump to this artwork being very avian. And when you look at it, you know, at the bottom, there's all of this fruit, which sort of indicates all of the different senses and life and fertility. But there's also a snake running through the fruit, which I think is an important thing to keep in mind. Um, But yeah, so the lover's card 
I think is this real it's a really fascinating card. So there are there are two real ways that you can read this. You know, the lovers card can indicate actual relationship, you know, things that are like a marriage, an important friendship, a strong parental bond. So, you know, Aquarians, if you have been on the verge of diving into the deep end of a relationship, this might be speaking to you. That might be the message you're getting from the universe. But I think something that's important to remember is that this card isn't just about relationships. It can also show up when there are important decisions or changes that you need to make. This card is talking about the importance of the decisions and choices you are making. And it's essential that you choose the right path. Look closely at the things that you truly desire, things that bring life meaning for you, and follow that to choose the right path. You know, you need to really listen to yourself and find that balance, which again, you can see when you're thinking about the duality of the lovers. So I would say, listen to yourself, do a gut check. Are you about to dive into an important relationship? This card could be telling you to go for it. Those partnerships are incredibly important and they're life-defining often. But if you aren't at that edge, maybe you have an important decision coming up. Then this card is really calling on you to think about unifying your deepest desires. That way you can move forward on a path that is the best choice for you. Well. You know, it's like um, big Libra energy. Like the lovers is kind of like big Libra energy. It's like find the balance. Yeah, it is. And Gemini and Libra are the two signs that are often listed with this. Um, And one thing that I love too in some of the books that I have, they also list associated plants. And Dragon's Blood is associated with the lovers. Rose and Patchouli. And we're going to cover Patchouli at some point. It is... It is a little sexy. Uh, It's got big, sexy energy. But patchouli is actually in my daily oil that I use. Um, It's it's part of my daily magical practice and like how I ground and center and shield myself for the day. Patchouli is very important in that. So drawing the levers was really exciting for me, too, because plug for patchouli. It's not just for (laughs) old hippies. It's I, it's really not, and I use I use patchouli uh, hand soap right now. Um, just every single day, I buy it as incense for my altar, like patchouli, and it does it does have that smell. It does kind of smell like an old hippie. I don't know. I just get such like a comfort from it. Yeah. So all of that leads to Aquarians. Look deep inside of yourself. Consider what would bring unity and balance to your life. Is there a decision that might lead you to staying on that trajectory? Even if the decision's not easy, is that what is best for who you are at your core? And if you're about to, you know, think about jumping into a really important friendship or a new relationship, this might be the time. Why not give it a chance? Also, if it doesn't work out, it's really easy to ghost during COVID. Yeah, and that's that's on Aquarius's. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so that's I mean that's my reading, Nick. I don't know if you have anything to add about the lovers card. No, I was just saying, it, like I was just uh, saying, it also has like big Libra energy. You know, it's like about balance. It's um, you know, it, it's 
it's like how the death card is not about death. I mean, you know, like that's that's really for people out there that are very much the beginner level. But like how the death card is not about death. The Livers doesn't necessarily recommend or represent a romantic relationship. It's a uh, it's a symbol. Yeah, and it's it, a symbol. it could be a it could be about the balance in your life. You know, it could be about like Shannon said, you know, like an important decision, like a partnership that has nothing to do with rubbing your bits together. So, yeah. And I think that's, that is key. You know, even if this is something that you're interpreting for relationship, relationship is not just sexual relationship. You know, if you're a parent, that is a relationship. If you have a parent, that is a relationship. Sometimes not one you chose. That is one you have. Um, right. friendships you know nick is one of the most important figures in my life and clearly this is not a sexual relationship i think everybody's gathered that by now but nick is one of my best friends oh, for a very don't, long time don't spoil it for people shannon oh yeah sorry spoiler we're alert that, we're, we're saving the we're not romantically involved uh for episode five i thought Oh, shit. I jumped the gun. It's been a long week. Forgive me for the spoilers. I didn't mean to ruin <laughs> the season finale. <laughs> it's like you're you're going off about patchouli. You're telling people that we're not sleeping together. I really, you know, I thought we had a schedule. Okay, M. Night Shyamalan. Well, do you have any other twists for the <laughs> end here? I really don't. I think that wraps thing up for today. But mostly, I do want to say again, thank you all for listening. And I hope that this has been a little bit of fun for you. I know we might be a bit more meandering than we would like to regularly, but that is the time we're in and the U.S. And so thank you for hanging in there with us. I really hope that you enjoyed and still learned something today. And I just want to say, um, if you're out there, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Google, if you're listening on Apple, um, it really helps us out. Can give us some stars. I'm like fully addicted to getting some stars because I need them to live. <laughs> uh, rate, review, subscribe as a single word. You all know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. It does. It helps so much, though. It's so dumb, but it really does make a big difference. Um, and if you want to reach out to us again. Listeners in Japan in particular. I want to hear from y'all. We want to hear from you. I want to hear from the one person in Australia, too. Yeah, we've got a surprisingly international listening base, and I am fascinated. And thank you. So don't just, you know, don't just listen. Send us an email. Reach out. We could be friends. Shannon, Um, what's that email? What's that email? They can find us anywhere at Wands and Franz Pod. So our email address is wandsandfranzpod at gmail.com. And our Instagram handle is wandsandfranzpod. Um, I run the Instagram mostly, so you'll be talking to me, but I share everything with Nick. So just so you know, if you address something directly to Nick, I will pass it along to him, but it's not necessarily confidential. (laughs) I'm trying to get a Twitter going. Yeah, Nick's going to handle that because, again, I am an aged millennial and all I can handle is one social media. (laughs) 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 Okay, well, um, I would say to the bitches, blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. I have multiple poison. Blah, blah, blah.